I remember sitting in these seats, not these seats, we had the old yucky ones. Actually, though, when I was here, they weren't old. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. But it's good to have you here, especially when you only have four chapels left and you have to get them all in before the end of the school year. I'm glad to know that I'm one of the most important things on your schedule today. It's always exciting. Thank you, Praise Team, for leading us in worship and bringing us to this point. Let me share with you real quick just the opportunity to read God's Word. If you have your Bible with you, great. If not, pay really close attention that you don't miss any words. The words may be on the screen. We'll see in just a moment. But I'm reading out of Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. I'll show you a little bit later why this is not my choice of what I would do today, but it's God's choice of what's going to be done today. From the book of Haggai in the Old Testament, the prophets reads this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it, a, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies in ruin? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. As Christian said, as I came up, I've been affiliated with this college since 1958. The first four years I don't remember much because I was very young. But from 1965 on, I've been in and out of the campus in many different ways and I would like to think that I'm more than just a father to Josiah and Haley. I feel like my wife and I have been parents to the volleyball team for the last five years and also to the basketball team. Um, the only difference is we financially support the other two. We aren't financially supporting all of you guys, sorry. But we try to give our love out as much as we can. So Christian asked me to speak on Haggai. My first thought was, sure, I'd love to come preach at chapel. And then I started thinking, Haggai, the Old Testament, seriously? The Wednesday after Easter? Seriously? Of all things, this is the most sacred week in the life of a pastor. Because we push as hard as we can to the moment of Easter, and once Easter comes, we're like you, we veg out. We choose not to go to do things. We choose to step away. We choose all these other things. But here I am on this day, and as I started to read Haggai, as I read the first chapter... I picked which names not to say, and I picked which scriptures to read. But there's a phrase that stuck out to me over and over and over as I read it and read it and thought about it and meditated upon it. And it was the words, consider your ways. I'm considering my ways right now because normally on this day, after the week of Easter, I would be doing one of the most favorite things in my life. I would right now be sitting under a tree in full camouflage, waiting for a big tom turkey to come by that I could blow its head off. Nothing speaks better of the resurrection to a minister than killing something right after Easter. That's where I would be this morning 
if I would have thought before I said yes. But I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. So you look at this. I had written this wonderful message, and I put it all together, and as I read it on the way after I got it this morning, I was like, yeah, that is not going to speak to college kids. They are not going to like that at all. So if I had my paper with me, I'd tear it up, but I'm not going to drop my iPad. So I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit with, with what I prepared. When you think about considering your ways, when you look at this and you think of Haggai, do you know the history of what's going on? This is the time in the life of Israel just when the Persians had come. Let me step back a minute. Israel was doing so well, then King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Israel, destroyed all of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and pulled all of the brilliant, the good-looking, the strongest young boys out of Israel and brought them into Babylon. Jerusalem had been destroyed. Everything had been wiped out. You want to know much of the history of what's going on? Read the book of Daniel. This is what's going on before. The people of Israel are hearing and knowing of Daniel and the great stories we have in that book of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and how God had walked with them through that furnace. Of Daniel, an old frail man thrown into a den full of hungry lions, and he comes out without any scratches on him, without any problems, because God was with him in the midst of the gravest danger of his life. The Persians had retaken over Babylon, destroyed that kingdom, and now the new king of Persia is allowing the Israelites to begin to come back home. And it's in this time that Haggai is prophesying. It's in the midst of the destruction of all that was there that Haggai is given the words to rebuild the temple. Now, I could never be a prophet of the Old Testament. I just couldn't do it. If you ever studied Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, my love language is words of affirmation. How many times do you read an Old Testament prophet speaking of everything that God's going to put on them, and the people come out and say, man, thank you, wow, that was the greatest message. I so need to be put in my place. I so need to know that God is superior, and I am nothing. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be the prophet that that spoke everything of God's conviction. In fact, I would guarantee that there's so many of you sitting out there saying, why do they always bring in these old people that used to go here that are going to come in and tell us everything that we need to do because we're not doing it right? Why do they do that? Tell you the truth, the thing I really had planned for today, Sean McDowell said everything word for word the last couple weeks. I was going to say that exact same thing that he was going to say, but he took it, so I had to come up with something different. That's a lie. Think about it. What do I have to offer you but the same things that the Old Testament prophets offered to the people of God? It's the wisdom, hopefully, that we've learned. I've sat in those chairs. I've listened to the old people and say, yeah, that's not going to be me. I know better. I'm in the stage of my life when I want to sow my wild oats. I want to go through life. I want to make chances. I want to make mistakes. But I'm going to make it all right. Grew up 36 miles north of here. All my friends in high school, all my guy friends, were all farm kids. Now they're leading the farms. And you know how much money, how much time, and how much energy they spend trying to remove the wild oats from their fields? 
It's costing them hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's costing them time and energy. And the fields do not produce the harvest that they should because of all the wild oats that we sow. As you look at this chapter, chapter 1 in the book of Haggai, Haggai says the words, consider your ways twice. And the very first time he talks about our physical lives. He says, consider your ways, you, your ways. you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. Let me illustrate you this with one word. Buffet. When you get to be my age... The word buffet is a nasty thing for men of my age because it brings all the physical aspects of life into it. You first go and you pay for the buffet because you can't walk away from it. It's there. You've got to do it to remind yourself of the youth when you guys and gals can eat anything and everything and it doesn't bother you. So the very first challenge you have with your physical life is you walk into this buffet and you think, okay, I'm going to eat my money's worth and more. I am going to make them pay for having the buffet. Terry knows where I'm at, right, Terry? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know. So you fill your plate with everything you want, and you eat, neat, 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 neat. And just when you think you've satisfied yourself, they come out with a new entree. So what do you do? You get up, and you go back, and you try it, and you get more, just a little bit more, you say to yourself. But by the time you get done with that, you are so miserable, so full, you just can't handle it. And then you remember the dessert table. You can't stop the physical aspect of your life. The physical aspect of your life wants more. It's never satisfied. Financially, we're never satisfied. If I were to ask you right now, you could have any job in the world, what would be the amount of money you would put on for your yearly salary? I guarantee you, whatever it would be, you would live to that point of means and probably a little bit beyond it. It's human nature. We are never satisfied with what we make. We always want a little more. We always spend a little more. That's the financial aspects of our lives. How many times do you hear parents, and I wished I could have parents say this all the time, how many times do you hear parents say, do what you want to do that makes you happy, that fulfills you in life? Most of the times we hear parents say, well, I want my kid to grow up to be a boom, 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 or boom, because that'll secure them financially. Friends, human nature is never satisfied with having enough. There's two boxes of donuts up here. They used to be full dozen donuts. But by the time I hit the door and before they got up here, they're not full anymore. There's 11 in each one. Whitney, you've got a choice. You can come up and grab this box right now. You can come up and get it. Well, if you don't get it, I'll give it to somebody else. That's your box. Now, she's got a choice. Does she keep them all to herself or does she give them to her friends? You, know, you just go back. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer. That's on you. And now all of a sudden, all your friends around you are not listening to me anymore. Why? What are they listening to? They're thinking, hmm, is she going to satisfy herself? Is she going to consider only her ways, or is she going to consider the ways of her friends around her? Eddie, do you want the second box? (laughs) 
I mean, you know, if you don't want him, that's fine. I figured you would. (laughs) He's got a choice. Does he share them with those around him? Does he be the entrepreneur that he is and sell them later? Or does he keep them all to himself? We have choices in life, and we're called, even by the book of Haggai, to consider your ways. Are you considering what you do? Are you considering how you do it? You're at a great stage in life, a wonderful stage. But do you really consider what you do that is beyond yourself, beyond your scope, beyond just taking care of number one? And that's what Haggai's talking about. That's what God is speaking to him, through him to the people. He says, you consider your ways. You make sure that number one is taken care of. You make sure that everything you're doing is what you want to do. And we sometimes forget to consider the consequences, consider what might happen, consider who might be affected. And I get it. I don't want to be one of those that tell you you have to do everything completely different than what you're doing. But I want you to listen because there will be a moment you'll think back and say, man, I really wished I wouldn't have done that. But the greatest thing that I've learned out of the book of Haggai is God's amazing love. Over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, we hear constantly of God's amazing love. That's the one thing I want you to remember when you leave here today is God's amazing love for you. The second time, verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This is when he encourages them to start rebuilding the temple. He encourages encourages them to continue. Consider your ways of glorifying God. I challenge you today to find ways to glorify God in your life, to build that relationship that Haggai is calling the people of Israel back to. Come back and consider your ways in building your relationship with God. The fun part about this, in the whole time that Israel was held captive, The whole time the temple was destroyed, God never left them. God never left them on their own. That's why the book of Daniel is there. We have the stories of what was going on, of God's presence with them. You need to understand that God doesn't leave you, that God's waiting. If you haven't had that relationship time with God, he's waiting for you to build it. This week I had a parishioner of mine, a a member of my congregation, come up to me and he was at a funeral this week of one of his great nephews. This kid was 25 years old and committed suicide. And he sat there listening to this minister speak as the whole congregation was just a bunch of kids. During the the, the message of the funeral, the minister stood up there and he said, you know, I didn't know this, this man really well. He never came to church. And I don't know you guys very well because I don't know if you go to church or if you don't go to church. That's not my business. That's not my situation in life. And then he went on and spoke. And my, my parishioner from my church said, you know what? At that moment, I got really upset with the pastor because he didn't get it. Good for that guy. He was listening. He says, it is the job of the minister to be concerned with the kids being in worship and knowing the Lord or not. It is my job today to be concerned about each one of you. It is my job today to tell you that God doesn't leave you in all situations. That no matter where you think you are, no matter where you think you've been, no matter how far you think you are removed, no matter how cool you think you are, how great everything is going, how rough things are going, God is right beside you 
begging for you to be in relationship with him. Consider your ways, not just in this moment, but what's going to happen in life. Consider your ways in which God is leading you, in which God is directing you. Did you ever consider that what you have is not a happenstance? That who you are is not by chance, but it's by design? The book of Haggai has got many great things in it as you look at the history of what is going on. But it's filled with the amazing love of God. Towards the end of chapter 1, God says this through Haggai, I am with you, declares the Lord. It's a promise from God to the people. It's a promise from God to you. That no matter where you go, no matter what challenges you face, no matter what obstacles may be in your way, no matter what you've done or what you think you're getting ready to do, understand God is with you. God's got a purpose for you. God's love is amazingly vast for you. Remember these two things. Consider your ways, and I am with you, declares the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your message. We thank you, Lord, for such a place as this that it allows us to make mistakes. It allows us to experience life. It ex- this place allows us to challenge life. And this college and the administration and the staff and the people around it and the students welcome us and love us and lift us up. Father, I pray for the students and the faculty and the staff as we prepare to head into the last several weeks of classes. Everything that needs to be done, everything that is yet done, all of the challenges lie ahead, I pray you'd be with them and that you would encourage them and that you would strengthen and guide them. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of your love, your mercy, and your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.